Should we get it started? Let's do it. Let's get her going. All right. Welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I am Eric Mulder. So he says, wrecked him, damn near killed him. Joining me today is Mr. Positivity. Brett, how are you? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Chicken dippers! Chicken dippers! It's growing on you a little bit, it seems. Might last a while. Yeah. Think it'll last longer than uh, Eddie Murphy from Norbit? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Probably. We'll probably keep it for a while. Yeah. Just because I don't really want to look for another one. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to change mine to, but got a few ideas. But... We gotta touch on the new news about the, all the Oscar nominations. Just came out yesterday. I just dribbled on myself. Don't be spilling on the electronics. <laughs> on my shirt. On my young buck shirt. <laughs> People at home probably think you're talking about the rapper. <laughs> Do you think more people know the rapper than the tag team? Yes. <laughs> In twenty nineteen? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. The young well, bucks are pretty popular. Are they? They're they're probably by far the most popular non WWE wrestlers. I see. So you think the layman would know the young bucks? I only know them from your fucking shirt. Well, if they've ever been the hot topic, they've seen plenty of young bucks merchandise. I'm sure from the rapper too. It <laughs> hot topic. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Young Buck, the rapper, in like 10 years. Yeah. It's a fair point, but. Pretty much since he got kicked out of (laughs) G-Unit. All right. Well, the Oscar noms came out, and there were some surprises, some snubs. One thing that was not a surprise is Black Panther getting nominated for Best Picture. Disney's been on that uh, campaign trail since March. Yeah, they were pushing it really hard for a while when it came out. I mean, there's articles all year. Is this the year a superhero movie is going to be nominated for Best Picture? Yes. <laughs> I saw Black Panther and uh, I wasn't impressed. I liked it, but it's I, I think not I guess, Best Picture. I think I can safely say it's not the best movie of the year. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't necessarily say that it didn't deserve to be nominated because every year there's a couple of movies that you wonder... How did that get nominated? Yeah. Like War Horse and shit like that. Sometimes movies like that even win. Like how did the art? Well, I know how the artist was nominated, but that's a movie that people saw once and never wanted to see again. I never saw it. Well, don't. Was it silent? 
Yes, except for I think there there's one word uttered or there's something in there where they they ruin the gimmick. Yeah. All I know about the artist is that there's a fucking dog in it, and everybody loves the dog from the artist. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, it did other things after that. Yeah, he got punched by Will Ferrell in the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Black Panther. Um, I mean, it makes sense that there's now up to 10 nominees for the Best Picture category because of a superhero movie, The Dark Knight. So it only makes sense that they finally get one nominated. Yeah, I don't know. I thought a big snub for Best Picture was if Beale Street could talk. Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight. Uh, it was nominated for a number of other awards, but not Best Picture, and there were only eight nominees. So I was kind of confused. Like, it had Black Klansman, Black Panther, and Green Book all deal with racial issues mm-hmm. in the black community, and so did Beale Street, and I thought, I know, I like Black Klansman quite a bit. Uh, I haven't seen Green Book yet, but Beale Street was... Far better than, I mean, Black Panther and maybe Green Book. I, don't, I haven't seen it yet. Definitely better than Vice. I saw Vice the other day. I'll get to that later. I remember seeing commercials for Green Book, but I don't remember it being hyped as like a awards contender. Yeah, it kind of was for a while, and I'm still surprised they got nominated a little bit because there was a bit of a controversy when there was a Q&A with Viggo Mortensen, and he said the N-word. He was talking about racial issues. Well, I think you need some context there. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean. um, so he had to issue a big retraction. and I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard that it kind of, I don't know if it sugarcoats things or, I don't know, there's definitely people that are, you know, maybe the social justice, justice types that were not a fan of it. Is I don't know if a- it glossed over some facts or sugarcoated something, but apparently... You know, even it's a movie about race relations, but apparently it could have been a whole hell of a lot better from what I hear. But is, that, is that based on uh, real people? Yeah. I forget who, is, who but. Do you, you don't remember who it was. Let's see. I could click on it here. It's got a green book. Because I just, the only thing that I, I know about it is uh, Vigo Mortensen is like a valet for a black piano player on a tour of the South southern united states and he eats a lot (laughs) and he throws chicken bones out of a moving vehicle but that's about it some vivid memories of those trailers (laughs) and he may or may not stop a fight in a bar (laughs) but i don't think they uh they ever said in any of the commercials who the the musician is it just kind of implied uh that he was famous so follows a tour between African-American classical and jazz pianist Don Shirley and uh, Tony, so Viggo Mortensen plays Tony Vallelonga, an Italian-American bouncer who served as Shirley's driver and bodyguard. So looks like Shirley was most prominent in the 50s and 60s. I'm not familiar with him at all. Um, but yeah, there was, I mean, I saw controversy a little bit on Twitter and things like that kind of poo-pooing Green Book even before the Viggo Mortensen thing. But back to the nominees. Also nominated for Best Picture was Aroma and The Favorite. Bohemian Rhapsody, that's another one where Beale Street is way, well, 
I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet, but I can already tell that, yeah, I'm going to like it, but well, it got won, very lukewarm reviews. It won the Golden Globe, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So kinda, the Golden Globes are a fucking joke. Kind of out of the fucking blue. Yeah. Hollywood Foreign Press is a big old joke. But yeah, those are all the Best Picture nominees. Kind of another snub was Bradley Cooper for Best Director. Because he won a bunch of other awards for Best Director for Star is Born. Yeah, it seems weird that they would leave him out. Yeah. Because that one did get a lot of, you know, awards buzz. Mm -hmm. Definitely one of the front runners for Best Picture. And uh, also there was no women nominated for Best Director, so that was a hot topic today on Twitter. Well, who would you nominate? That's the thing. It's like I've talked about this before and how it's... Along the same thing with like black directors, black actors, they're not in enough movies. The problem is on the front end of yeah. having these minorities direct films, act in films, and so they're only in a select few. And then at the end of the year, if they're not picked, it's like, well, what the fuck? It's like, well, they're not in enough right. to be nominated for anything. I did see a list of some female directors. Uh, one of them was Lynn Ramsey. She directed uh, You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix. This past, uh, it's not in the spring. That was kind of a heavy movie. Very well made. A lot of, like her stamp is all over that movie because there's very particular choices she made and how she told the story and showed it on film. So I could see uh, maybe like she should have been nominated for that one. Yeah. I think there's one other one I'm forgetting. But yeah, there's definitely um, some that could have been nominated. That weren't. I mean, were there movies in like Best Picture or Screenplay or any of the acting categories that were directed by women? Um, can't remember. Here, I'll get through it here. But I mean, I think the most obvious name you should probably throw out of the Best Director nominees is probably Adam McKay for Vice. I mean, you got Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. He's he's Hispanic or Latino. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos, he's Greek. Spike Lee, he's black. And Paul Polakowski, who's Polish. White person, Polish. Yeah. So I guess the only white person in here is a European foreigner. So it's not like it's, uh, well, I mean, Adam McKay is the, the, the white U.S. representative, I guess. Well, I think critics really loved Vice, though. They didn't. (laughs) They didn't? No. I thought it got... A ton of review, uh, good reviews. It's in the mid-60s and Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Just barely better reviews than Bohemian Rhapsody. Maybe they just did a good job of advertising. Yeah, I don't know. The ones that, that really liked it. Um, so we have Yelitsa Prescio, nominated for Best Actress for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Colman for uh, The Favorite, and she might be The Favorite, although Lady Gaga is going to give her some push for that award for A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which is funny because she was nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar within 24 hours. <laughs> she was nominated for Worst Actress at the Razzies for, uh, I think it was Life of the Party. Either that or was the Happy is the Happy Town Murders? Is that what it's called? Who's it, Melissa McCarthy, you said? Yeah. I don't know which one she got nominated for, but it, it was one of those two. It was probably the Happy Town Murders. Because I imagine that one got a lot of Razzies. I didn't see it, but it seems like one of those movies that people would, you know, really shit on. Yeah. Although I did see a trailer where there was a 
puppet just jizzing for like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it was like silly string. I just couldn't stop. Real but, high, real highbrow stuff. Yeah. Uh, Christian Bale was nominated for Best Actor for Vice. Uh, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate. Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. And Viggo Mortensen for A Green Book. So apparently he's the lead actor there. Yeah, I I saw that. He got nominated for the lead actor. We haven't seen that movie, so I don't know how that dynamic is in the movie, but I, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of strange. Uh, best Supporting Actress, Amy Adams for Vice. Marina de Tavira for Roma. Regina King for A Veal Street Could Talk. Emma Stone for The Favorite and Rachel Weisz for The Favorite. And for supporting actors, Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver, Black Klansman, Sam Elliott, A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant, Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell for Vice. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of the nominees. I'm going to get to the recently seen, but I just wanted to touch on it a little bit. We will have a full Oscar preview episode with Alex um, as we do our top 10 of the year lists. We look over our top 10 from last year and then uh, we go through our list of this year look at last year's to see if anything had changed and then we get into our list from 2018 and we also do a little oscar preview so it'll be a jam-packed episode which i believe will uh, be recorded and posted the week leading up to the oscars oscars is on the 24th i believe of february so in the week leading up to that, that episode should drop, drop hard on you. Mm-hmm. Um, like a deuce. Let's get to a little recently seen action. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? What did you see, Brad? So I saw on the uh, Xfinity free movie week on <laughs> Apex, I watched uh, from 2018... A Quiet Place, let's see, it was directed by John Krasinski, and it stars Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Millicent Simmons, Noah Jupe, Cade Woodward, Leon Russom, and uncredited Rhoda Pell. That's the entire cast. Uh, synopsis in a post-apocalyptic world a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra sensitive hearing so i think it was a good premise i think they did a lot of things really well with this um overall i I liked it uh there were a few things that the characters did that i just groaned at Mm -hmm. um and one of them is a, a really driving point of the plot um and I don't think it's a spoiler to say it, but uh, Emily Blunt's character is pregnant. And it's so when the movie starts, they have a title card. It's like day 89. And then they do some stuff and then they do the, you know, the title of the movie. And then it comes back and it's like day 472. Mm-hmm. And she's pregnant. And I'm <laughs> like, why would you get pregnant? Like, I. Wouldn't you, you know? Hey, it just happens, dude. Just happens. Yes, having that silent sex <laughs> in the heat of the moment <laughs> with the kids living next to you. But I, I would think <laughs> you'd take some precautions at that point because you know a baby is gonna be trouble. 
Um, so I, I think they could have done it in another way and still had that element in the story that would have been, that I would have felt made the characters maybe a little more sympathetic than the way they did it. Hey, one of them's deaf. Is that not enough for you? <laughs> it's like, go get all the condoms. Go take the pill every day. Like, do something. Just, why are you bringing kids into this world? <laughs> this is a bad the idea. The pill is not readily available anymore. I guess they're pro-life. Well, how you, <laughs> <laughs> you wonder, uh, you think just having a baby is a lot easier than performing an abortion on yourself? Wait, did you say? Do you ask me if it's easier to have the baby? Then, well, I don't know. I'm just saying. I think you would do everything in your power, yeah, to not get pregnant under the circumstances. And nymphomaniac Charlotte Gainsbourg performs an abortion on herself, and it is horrific. That's gross. and loud. That sounds gross. So I don't think that's a viable option. <laughs> but uh, well, I don't know. Maybe you have a bunch of morning after pills. You know. <laughs> just lying around <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well how far away did they live from the store I mean they must have went to the store once in a while at the beginning they go to the pharmacy yeah so they're I mean it's only been a year a little over a year so I don't know I'm just saying I feel like you would be more cautious under the circumstances <laughs> yeah Um. so to me, that made them a little less sympathetic because I'm thinking, why the fuck would you do this? But it does really heighten the uh, the stakes, I guess. Cause, yeah. uh, you gotta keep the world going, Brett. Because it's fucked you up. Keep pushing kids out. Because putting pregnant women and children in danger is a real fucked up way <laughs> to get you to feel, uh, you know, emotions while watching a movie. Yeah. Um, I think you had mentioned like the the creatures in the movie that they're they're hiding from throughout. I thought they were really well done. They're uh, they're pretty fucking scary. You know, most movies kind of stay away from showing you the monster because no matter how scary you think the monster is going to be, like actually seeing it usually doesn't live up to the hype. Yeah. Um, but I thought they did a good job of making these monsters something that you would really uh be nervous around mm-hmm. to say the least um so given all those caveats and stuff i still enjoyed it you know it's, it's a really well done horror movie uh and i'll give it an eventually eventually if you are new to the show uh we have five different ratings to help you prioritize your movie viewing habits Again, this is for film lovers, you know, the average Joe who's just seen the popcorn movies. This rating system probably isn't the best for you, but we have five ratings from top to bottom. It is ASAP, Soonish, Eventually, Last Resort, and Never. So Brett said eventually, so watch this movie eventually. It is worth your time. Yes. And if we rate it eventually or higher, we recommend you see it in the theater if it is currently in theaters. Because it's always the best way to watch a film. Speaking of which, I just saw a film in the theater. I saw, from 2018, Vice. Oh, good for you! And how was it? It was okay, I guess. I don't know, Christian seems like he's pretty critical of it. Maybe of his own performance. 
Although he did thank Satan as in his uh, acceptance speech at the Golden Globes for inspiration. Mm, <laughs> wow. Um, wow. I well, I guess what I keep hearing about Vice is they can't figure out if it's comedy or drama. Tonally, it is kind of all over the place, but I guess also kind of the point. Uh, you know, I'll get to the deets here and then I'll talk about it. But all right, it's directed by Adam McKay. It's turning Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Amy Adams plays his wife, Lynn. Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld. Sam Rockwell is George W. Bush. Allison Pill is the one of the Cheney's daughters. See, Eddie Marsan is in there. Justin Kirk from Weeds. Did you ever watch Weeds? No, I never got into okay. it. Uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton. Jesse Plemons. Oh, that uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton was kind of Lisa Rice. Although she's in there for maybe like one scene. Hmm. Uh, Tyler Perry was Colin Powell. Uh, Shea Wingham is in here. Hello. <laughs> That's Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, boo. <laughs> I've never actually seen a Medea movie. Yeah. So the storyline is the story of Dick Cheney, an unassuming bureaucratic Washington insider who quietly wielded immense power as vice president to George W. Bush, reshaping the country and the globe in ways that we still feel today. So I was very excited for this movie when I first saw like the first couple trailers for it, found mm-hmm. out who was in it. I liked uh, McKay's last film, The Big Short. Obviously he's known for, I guess more so known for his comedies, but he's kind of weighed into the dramatic fair as of late, even though there's some good laughs in The Big Short mm-hmm. and uh, this movie as well. Um, it did not live up to the hype. Uh, I thought Christian Bale was very good as Dick Cheney. Sounded just like him. Looked just like him. Yeah, it's amazing uh, how they how he changed his body to look like. Yep, Dick gained Cheney. another forty pounds for the role, as he's one to do. And and I think he's going to do a mechanic sequel after this, just so he can get back down to weight, <laughs> or a, a fighter sequel. <laughs> just just lose a uh, hundred pounds to do the mechanic too. Yeah. Or the machine, uh, it's the machinist. So, like, his nomination doesn't confuse me. Uh, Sam Rockwell's kind of does. I love Sam Rockwell, and he knocked out of the park last year. He won for three billboards. I thought he was great in there. But Bush isn't really in this movie all that much. I think not enough for a supporting nod. Hmm. And it's he does okay. He was entertaining, but... Does he make him sound dumb? Does he seem dumb in the movie? Uh, not as dumb as you would think that he would make him look like. Yeah. There was some funny stuff, like they're at like a party like way before he's ever running for president. I think it's a party for HW or something like that. Mm. And W is there, and he's shit-faced. He's like knocking shit off of tables. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of making a ruckus. Like, oh, you know, oh, that's funny. H, you know George's son, W, Apple fell far from the tree, that sort of thing. <laughs> but I really like Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld. I thought he was the next best, uh, next to Christian Bale. I mean, Amy Adams was good, but I don't really know that much about Lynn Cheney. Did you know Rumsfeld's father was Darth Vader? <laughs> Rumsfeld? <laughs> I think it was Rumsfeld. Yeah. He was, he's, have you seen Little Bush? The, no. Oh, it's a great I mean, show. clips here and there back when I was on. Hey, Carrie, if you love ketchup so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> Maybe I will. 
Baby, I will. <laughs> That's always a good joke. Heinz 57. Um, you married the the lady that owns Heinz. <laughs> uh, before I saw this, I was on Round Tomatoes, and I was kind of bummed out by the lukewarm reception. And I read one of the reviews, and it... Uh, I forget who said it, but just if it was that they said that they thought Vice was a very unfair and inaccurate portrayal of Cheney, but that that's what he deserves anyways. Hmm. So it's kind of like, that's kind of how I thought the movie was. Like there's certain leaps in there that you, you know, there's no evidence for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not too hard to hate Cheney. I mean, no one really ever liked him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> shady motherfucker always behind yeah. the scenes there's some entertaining insight and some i guess what ifs or you know maybe that maybe this happened because of this reason or maybe it happened this way yeah. that type of stuff it's fun to speculate i guess but uh i don't know it just should have been a lot better and it wasn't hmm. so i mean you could see it if you you know want to check out the performances you know, otherwise, it's probably not really worth it. Give it a last resort. It's a last resort. Yeah, Vice. There you go. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and how was it? You know, you know what other movie I saw? Wait, so, wait. I, I, I should have used. It wasn't the movie that Dick Cheney needed, but the one that he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Or not the one that he deserved, but the one that he needed. Oh, man. I saw a movie from 2002, and it was called The Hot Chick. <laughs> Taking it back, O two. 2 Usually see. when you watch old movies, they're pre-1975. You know who directed The Hot Chick? Tom Brady. <laughs> the GOAT. <laughs> Uh, what else has Tom Brady directed? He won that Super Bowl, and he's like, I'm oh. going to go direct the hot chick. <laughs> it's my follow-up. Oh. Let's see what else he directed. How old is this Tom Brady? He's only directed four movies. Uh, the Hot Chick, The Comebacks, and Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star. All just and then he's got modern a, cinema masterpieces. They uh, gave him credit for Welcome Back, Cotter. But there's no no date or anything on <laughs> it. It's in development. So he's apparently going to direct a Welcome Back Cotter uh, remake. Bucky Larson and the Comebacks, not so good. The Hot Chick, well, didn't do it. Uh, it stars the cast. I was a little surprised at the cast they had. Uh, Rob Schneider. We just talked about it in our Surf Ninjas episode. <laughs> so I was like, he was, he was okay in that. I'll check him out in the hot chick. <laughs> Have you seen The Animal? I, I saw it in the theater. Me and my friends were the only ones there. Dude, I saw The Animal in the theater as well. Never again. Me and my friends were in there, and uh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Every movie you go to, it's always just you and your friends. They, like sold, Norbit. they sold three tickets for that <laughs> showing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. At about $5 each because we went to the matinee. 
Uh, so Rob Schneider, Anna Ferris, uh, Matthew Lawrence, Eric Christian Olson, Robert Davi, Melora Hardin, uh, Alexandra Holden, Rachel McAdams. I think this might actually be Rachel McAdams' first movie because they credited her as introducing Rachel McAdams. Hold on, look real quick. Yeah, it was her first. She had a TV movie before that, but that's her first theatrical movie. Uh, Maritza Murray, Tia and Tamara Maury are in there. And uh, Adam Sandler has a cameo or two. As a stoner with dreadlocks. The synopsis is an attractive and popular teenager who is mean-spirited towards others finds herself in the body of an older man and must find a way to get back to her original body. And, uh, you know, it's a silly premise. I didn't, you know, and it's a, it's a Happy Madison movie. Yeah. And uh, those are kind of hit and miss. And uh, <laughs> mostly hit and miss. <laughs> More miss than hit. This yeah. one was was most uh, mostly hits. I I thought it was uh, a lot funnier than I I kind of expected it to be. You better not give this an eventually. <laughs> God, I'm gonna give it the hot chick. But it's uh, Rob Schneider playing a high school girl. <laughs> like, I was surprised at how how well that premise played out throughout the movie. Uh, and it just kept going, and uh, you know, it it really didn't get old <laughs> with a lot of the stuff. So yeah, I was, the only thing that I, well, one of the things that I I kind of wish they had done more is they spend most of the movie focusing on the, Rob Schneider as the high school girl, mm-hmm. and not so much as he switches with Rachel McAdams. So it takes them a really long time to kind of see what Rachel McAdams is doing with the dirty old man in her body. Okay. And uh, I thought maybe they could have done a little more. But, like, Anna Ferris is really good. Um, Rob Schneider. This is maybe the funniest Rob Schneider movie I've seen. <laughs> okay. I've seen a couple. But, yeah, I think, honestly, you'd probably enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> I was just saying. It's it's up there in one of the better Happy Madison movies. And I am giving it eventually. Eventually. Your movie taste baffles me so much. Because you love Norbit. You like this movie, apparently. Yeah. And yet, you don't like most of what's coming out these days. Like, you like some of it, but most of it seems like you're like, meh, I'm good. Yeah. Because you typically watch old movies talking 40s through the 80s that's kind of your wheelhouse yeah i don't know i i I go back to the the really old like 30s and 40s and 50s from time to time but Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's maybe like 60s and 60s through 90s yeah i'll throw in some 2000s once in a while i'll look at I'll, i'll watch some newer stuff but a lot of it, uh, it was in the last, like, maybe five to ten years. I'm just like, eh. 
But you'll watch all these black and white classics or obscure black and white films from half a century ago or more. And then you watch movies like The Hot Chick <laughs> and you like both of them equally. <laughs> yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> I, f- I feel like you'd like The Hot Chick. I don't know. Man. You like some of them Adam Sandler movies and this is kind of up there, I think, with, with some of his movies. What do you mean by I like some of the Adam Sandler movies? Don't you like some of those 90s Adam Sandler movies? Well, I like the first two, like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, but then it just kind of goes downhill. You don't like you don't like, like The Waterboy? I'll watch uh, The Waterboy, but it's not great. Yeah. I don't it's know. It's a last resort. I was surprised. Adam Sandler had some funny stuff because there's a... Uh, so the deal is they have these earrings from like ancient Egypt or some shit, and if one person wears one and the other person wears the other, they uh, they switch bodies. So, like, the, Rachel McAdams and her clique of girlfriends are at the store that sells antiques, and there's Adam Sandler's in there, and he's a stoner, he's got dreadlocks, he wears a Rasta <laughs> hat, <laughs> and he's showing them different antiques, and he's like, and then you can put your weed in there, you know? It's a Rob Schneider sketch. But then they're alive. but then they're looking at uh, these these earrings, and then you hear this drumming in the background, and you think it's the score, and then it's just Adam Sandler playing the bongos in the background, and then the <laughs> lady yells at him to stop doing it, and then Rachel McAdams' brother is uh, he likes to dress up in her clothes, so that's a that's a bit that they use throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a. Uh, Matthew Lawrence plays her her boyfriend, and they they do some bits where uh, he doesn't know that she switched bodies, and so she's in there listening to to him talk about her and things like that. And then uh, they have a cheerleading competition, and she's still in Rob Schneider's body, but she wants to participate, so they put her in the mascot costume. And she's like blowing kisses to her boyfriend and stuff. And then the head comes off and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's that dirty janitor is blowing kisses at me. What the fuck is that? <laughs> and things like that. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of things in there that they found a lot more jokes than I thought they could. And, mm-hmm. and they, it stayed fresh throughout. I didn't think it got old. I, like I said, I thought they did enough to keep it funny and without being repetitive or you know stale Mm. all right well we're gonna go from the hot chick to another oscar nominated film from 2018 i also saw roma it's a netflix film but it's also in uh, several theaters still uh, directed by alfonso caron i guess i'll add that it probably should be show or should be watched in a theater because Corona is very well known for his visual style and his last film was Gravity, but a lot of his pictures are very visually impressive. So, and it's no exception here. This film stars Yalitza. I'm gonna butcher these names, but uh, Yalitza Aparicio, Marina de Tavira. Diego Cortina Autry, Carlos Peralta, Marco Graf, Daniela Demisa, Nancy Garcia Garcia, 
Veronica is, Garcia. Her name is Garcia Garcia. Yep. Nancy Garcia Garcia. Interesting. And uh, Jorge Antonio Guerrero. Storyline. A year in the life of a middle-class family's maid in Mexico City in the early 1970s. Um, so this is kind of a big personal passion project for Caron. It's slightly based off of his own experiences uh, growing up in a similar situation with his nanny in Mexico City. So this takes place uh, from sometime in 1970 to sometime in 1971. And it is a very uh, heavy movie, a lot of heavy subject matter. I don't want to get into it too much because some of it might ruin some of it, but there's a lot of things in here that I kind of didn't really know about certain, uh, I guess, political strife in Mexico City, you know, go figure. But in the 70s, lots of political unrest, riots and hmm. murders and things like that. Um, so this is, I would take an upper middle class or an upper class family because they have you know, maid and nanny. It seems like there's two indigenous people working there. So the main character is an indigenous person working for this uh, Mexican family. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of about her life with the family and then what's going on outside of it. Great performances in here. The visuals are stunning. Uh, I think it should probably win best cinematography. Uh, it would be my pick. Um, there's a lot of great tracking shots, stationary shots. It's black and white, but uh, very clear visuals. There's some shots. I'm still kind of wondering how the hell they did it. Yeah, I could figure it out, but at the same time, I'm like, that's going to cost a lot of money to do that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Yalitza Aparicio. Uh, she was great in here. Is uh, Cleo is the main character's name. Um, probably in the running for top 10 of the year for me. I will give it a soonish. Soonish. Watch this movie soonish. Roma. So my last one is a documentary from 1998 called Kurt and Courtney. And it's a documentary on the life of Kurt Cobain and his relationship with Courtney Love. And it was directed by Nick Broomfield. Um, this came out four years after Kurt Cobain's suicide. I guess the intention was to, to get more understanding about who Kurt Cobain was and, uh, what would lead him to, to killing himself, things like that. One of the problems with this movie is, uh, a lot of the, the, uh, throughout the movie, the director continues to comment about how he's having trouble with funding because Courtney Love is trying to keep people from telling the story and looking into it too deeply. and But he's going to soldier on and keep doing it. And he also couldn't license any Nirvana music. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where he's talking with Kurt's aunt about um, some early recordings he did and he couldn't get cleared to play uh, one of his early recordings. Um, and there are several interviews uh, surrounding the alleged conspiracy about Kurt's death where it may have been a murder. 
that he had cut out because he was doing the inter or the documentary for the BBC, and under British libel laws, he couldn't play the audio because he couldn't verify the information being accused of certain people. So if you take all that into account, you don't have a lot left over. You know, it's it it really you don't learn a whole lot. I didn't feel like it. I guess you kind of learn about the, uh, you know, the conspiracies and whatnot, and uh, a little bit about his relationship with Courtney Love, but without more of the main people around him, it's kind of hard to to get a full picture of what what was going on with this guy. Mm. Um, so it's not as impressive as you might think it would be, or it's not as as interesting as you might think it would be. However, they do interview Kurt Cobain's aunt, they interview Courtney Love's dad, they interview a private detective that was hired to um, look for Kurt the week before his suicide, they interview one of Kurt's former girlfriends, they interview a, a former friend of Courtney Love. Um, so you get a little bit of, you know, in-depth of, of who these people were, but... Like I said, there's so much stuff that apparently went wrong with the production and the funding and the licensing of certain things and clearing different interviews and all that stuff. And it, it feels like a, a really big missed opportunity. But I'll, I'll give it a last resort. It's a last resort. You know, if you're a big fan of Nirvana, you're probably not going to get a lot out of this. But if you're just kind of curious about who Kurt... Cobain was and what his relationship with Courtney Love was mm -hmm. uh, you'll get a little bit out of it but you know probably not a really good understanding like I said all right well, I'm gonna wrap up the show with back-to-back -back foreign films Roma is of course and we'll see in Spanish and then I'm not sure if they use kind of an offshoot kind of indigenous language at all can't remember but, you know, it's mostly all Spanish in Roma. And I saw The Square, which is a Swedish film. This one's about maybe 75% Swedish because Elizabeth Moss is in here. So there's there's still plenty of English dialogue. But hmm. the movie's about two and a half hours. So, you know, maybe get a, get a half hour of, so I guess that would be about 20%. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's yeah. mostly in Swedish, a little bit of English. Um, directed by Ruben Ostlund. Uh, starring Klaus Bang, Elizabeth Moss, Dominic West, Terry Notary. Dominic West, does he speak English? McNulty? Yeah, he was born in uh, Yorkshire, England. He's uh, He was in The Wire. He was also in... Uh, yes, he was. The Punisher Warzone. Yep. He was Jigsaw. <laughs> Uh, Christopher Lasso, Lisa Stevenson, Annika Lerjeblad. There's a lot of Swedish names. I'm just going to fuck up more if I say more <laughs> of them. So, storyline. A prestigious Stockholm Museum's chief art curator finds himself in times of both professional and personal crises as he attempts to set up a controversial new exhibit. So this film won the Palme d'Or at 
Cannes in 2017. Cannes is right around the corner again in May, I believe, this year. So when we get to May, it'll be two years. Uh, 2018's winner was Shoplifters, which is nominated for Best Foreign Language Film right now. Just got nominated. But, uh, yeah, this uh, it's, it had a pretty cool trailer. Uh, we had this at the theater a while back. I always wanted to see it. I actually just watched it on Hulu because they had it on there. And uh, I liked it quite a bit. It's kind of about you know, different cultural and societal classes and how they interact with each other. So obviously, you know, there's going to be a bit of the bourgeois here with the art curator and high society. and Bougie. That's yep. what the kids say. <laughs> how they interact with the, uh, the lower class people and whatnot. The basic people. <laughs> and uh, there's some pretty uh, interesting art pe- exhibits at the museum that they go over. And this, there's one that's kind of performance art done by Terry Notary. There's a scene in here at a big dinner, I believe for the museum, where this man has, he has a, it's on the poster for the f- film as well. He has his shirt off, he's wearing black pants, and he has these two, they almost look like crutches, but they're shorter. Hmm. It's meant to mimic uh, a monkey's or gorilla's movements, so he can walk around like a monkey, like oh, if you, okay. almost like stilts for his arms, basically. Yeah, and it's almost like a little short film in that scene. Like it could be its own little film hmm. because it's everyone's supposed to basically not react to him, and he'll leave you alone, basically. So he's going around anti- antagonizing guests. Slapping drinks out of people's hands. He's acting like an asshole. <laughs> and uh, he takes it a little too far at the end. The Square, the title of the film, is actually a new art exhibit that they're promoting. thought there was a lot of stuff relevant to today. Social media, how they advertise these art exhibits. There's kind of some, I guess, new age, young millennial, kind of douchey social media types that are trying to, you know, promote the exhibit and... uh it turns out about as well as you'd think. <laughs> we need to get more clicks. We need to get views. Right. We need people to see this. We need to go viral. Yep. So uh, a lot of interesting ideas in here. Thought it was a worthy canned film. Yeah, a lot of canned films are always big art house features for the most part. And this one's no exception. But uh, yeah, I did like it quite a bit. If you're in that type of thing, I would recommend that you watch this movie soonish. Soonish. There you go. See, well, I know you're not going to watch it soonish because you're not into reading it. subtitles. Watch, but. It, watch it before the hot chick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please watch it before the hot chick. God. You should check out the hot chick. <laughs> yeah. Like, for real. I usually, nine times out of ten, I love the selection of movies you bring because you usually bring a lot of older films in that you recently saw. And then once in a while. I haven't had a lot of time to watch movies recently, so. Yeah. You probably would have left that out if If I had other stuff to talk talk about, probably, yeah. (laughs) Probably would have left that one out. I would have left out Kurt and Courtney, too, because that was kind of a, a letdown. Yeah. All right. Well. Next week, we're going to be doing our episode on the Mighty Ducks. We might even do a double episode. Might, might throw D2 in there. We've talked to Jason. He's 
He's gone. Vanished. He vanished. <laughs> I'll have to text him. I don't know if he was on vacation this whole week or to, he's just not at work. So we'll have to send out some uh, posters and get him on some milk cartons. Yeah. You know, as he understands that we're only doing the Mighty Ducks, and he thought we might actually do it this week while he's gone. So he'll be surprised. Yeah. He was just preparing for Space Jam. That was his pick. So he's gonna have to watch Mighty Ducks one, two, then knock out Space Jam mm-hmm. as we continue our look at. Movies we watched when we were kids. Yeah, I realized when I watched The Mighty Ducks that a lot of stuff that I couldn't remember if it was in the first one or the second one ended up being in the second one. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I don't reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovieatyahoo.com. Check out our website at www.wtmwatchthismovie.com. Follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie. And please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And or many of the places podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Podbean. There's plenty of podcast apps out there. Chances are we're on it. So, other than that, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you lost my case.